That's the that's the best impersonation I can do of James Hetfield. But I have been using uh, Kill 'Em All here, uh, Seek and Destroy, Metallica for oh, it's been over three years that I've been opening the show up with that. Discussions of Truth here, Ian Trottier got a uh, another incredible guest, folks. I keep coming in since I started the program in Winwood Radio. Back in Miami, 2017 was the official date. Started uh, started kind of the uh, the red pill, if you will. I know that's kind of a generic term, red pill, blue pill. It's it, it, folks, it's really not political. It comes down to basic rights, human rights, and regardless of what the UN riffraff say to you, because you know the UN is a movement that does have integrity, but. Any type of global movement that does that excludes the U.S. Constitution, in my view, uh, is really not worth your time. Um, and and, I, and then I, I'm not going to poo-poo the UN altogether and say that they're just a they should be an obsolete organization. Everybody wants global peace, world peace. But if you look at the past 130, 150 years, uh, the global banking mechanism out of Europe has deliberately created from my research. Uh, this isn't something that I've conjured up and thought up. This is from my research. These are credible sources. You can find them under the research tab at iantrache.com. The global bankers, uh, basically rooted to the Vatican, have engineered these wars for two, two, two main purposes. And, and the main purpose, the the real main purpose, folks, uh, which makes the United States or has made it so far so successful, uh, because it's different uh, from this machine, uh, this Roman machine that sprouts from the banking system out of Switzerland, um, is their religion. It's what, if you if you will, Megadeth, uh, refers to as holy wars. Um, uh, and that's a great song, by the way. And outside of that, it has been done to control natural resources. So who, Ian, who in the Vatican, because not, surely not all people that are Catholics are bad people. Well, you're, that's exactly right. JFK was a wonderful person. He was perhaps one of the best presidents, if not the best president, outside of George Washington and Andrew Jackson, in my opinion. That's ever a great civil office. And he was a Catholic. Who's In fact, he was a Roman Catholic. Well, Joe Biden is also a Roman Catholic. Well, Joe Biden is a pawn, and we have had pawns in place in that Oval Office, and that would include very possibly Donald Trump to a large degree. We'll see. I haven't spoken to him yet, but it's quite possible. I mean, look at some of the stuff that DeSantis has written into the SB, uh, Florida Senate Bill 2006, uh, giving uh, healthcare, the healthcare director all of this uh, authority to, uh, to uh, isolate uh, 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 people and vaccinate them by all means necessary. Uh, come on, this is tyranny. So did Ron, who I have personally met in the past two months, or excuse me, twice in the past six months, uh, once in Mar-a-Lago and then once in Hialeah in Miami, did, was he privy to this? Did he know what he signed off on? This is tyranny. You cannot force an injection on anyone. You cannot force anyone to receive an injection inside their body and this is the same type of tyranny that caused me to start this show. And it was by invitation, by the way. 
uh, in Miami because of the Zika virus. Here you're spraying a population with a pesticide that's a known neurotoxin. And the people have no other choice but to live, vacate the area. They have to leave their homes, stop everything they're doing, stop their jobs, and leave their homes to escape this pollution being forced upon them. So many levels of tyranny being forced on us, and not enough of us are speaking out against it. But I am, and I encourage you to do the same thing. So let's uh, let's bring on Gaz here, uh, People for People. <coughs> Excuse me, excuse me, French last name. Um, let's bring on, uh, let's bring on guys here uh, to to, uh, to to uh, to thread into uh, to thread into his network here, uh, and then we're going to bring on today's guest, which is Jason Fick. We're going to talk a little bit about Section Two Thirty via Skype. Okay. Hold on, Ian. Excellent. So, Gary... Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, while, we were, um, while we were waiting on you, uh, I was playing the folks a few songs. No so. problem. Now, I don't have Are Jason. I'm ready to go. I'm going to bring on Jason. How, how would you like me to do that? Just instruct me on how to do that. Okay. Um, you see two circles at the top right-hand side of the, the Skype page that we're on? Yep. And you see the one to the, the left-hand side is like a little man or woman or whatever, and it's got a plus sign beside it? Yes. Click it. Clicking. Click it, yes. Click it. And then you'll have all your contacts come up. Yep. If you look to the right of the contact, there's a little circle placed inside the circle. I see. And then add. Great. Jason. <laughs> yes. Gotcha. I've got. Uh, look, we are we going, we're going live uh, in Scotland. Uh, something called People for People. Gary, can you hear me? Oh, you're not going live in Scotland. You're going live across the globe. Oh, that's what I like <laughs> well, to hear. Well, it d- depends on whether you think it's a flat Earth or not, of course. But there you go. It's another story. Let me get the video. I, going. I tell you what. Yep. Just hold on, and we'll kick your show off proper, um, so that we have got a, a proper recording of it. So I'm going to put you live, Ian, in three. Two, one, you're live now. Fantastic. Jason, welcome to Discussions of Truth. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Ian. How are you, sir? Uh, it, it, nice to connect with you, um, and I am, I am fine. I am, I am not in uh, Florida right now. Uh, I'm, out, I'm in the Northwest, and I have been privy to uh, a fellow recently I've met named Darren Gobb. That's, uh, doing a, he's a former U.S. Army uh, lieutenant colonel. Cur, uh, colonel. Uh, and his programs have ran uh, it, 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 through the Pentagon, in Afghanistan. He's got a he's got a uh, he's got a movement called Restore Liberty, Restore-Liberty.org. He is uh, very serious about retaining constitutional rights, and he's got he got a lot of people behind him. He was recently on uh, Doug Billings' uh, platform. Uh, Jason, for, uh, for listeners and guests, uh, please make an introduction to who you are, sir. Um, I am, I am the guy. No, I'm actually in 2018, I sued, uh, Facebook for anti-competitive, um, misconduct went, uh, through the courts. The courts got it wrong. Unfortunately, they have a misconception as to what 230C1 means, um, went through the ninth, went all the way to the Supreme Court, 
And it seemed as though the Supreme Court would have taken it because it is a, it, you know, Section 230 is a huge issue, uh, but they didn't take it. Um, even though I was dead in line with uh, Justice Thomas's understanding of Section 230, but there was a, a sort of a weird set of circumstances that um, another case actually created um, controlling law over mine. Four months after my case had ended, it actually reversed its decision in the Ninth Circuit, and anti-competitive behavior is not immune, meaning I should have won in the first place and I should have had my day in court. So we are back in court now uh, under a motion for Rule 60B. We, we are supposed to have oral arguments July 23rd, um, so next month, and assuming that the court doesn't vacate it yet again, they vacated everything on us. Um, but more importantly, what I've been working on is because I'm not getting equal protection under the law, it sort of put me in a strange circumstance, which is what I believe we're here to talk about a bit today. Um, it set me on a path to look at Section 230 from a constitutional standpoint and in my searches, I have found the legal precedent to repeal Section 230 and end the entire problem. So that is what we are currently working on. Um, Jason, back up a little bit and describe for listeners what took you to that point of, uh, of suing Facebook. What, what did Facebook do to you? So Facebook, you know, is granted for those that, I mean, almost everybody knows now what Section 230 is, but Section 230 is a, a congressional delegation of authority to restrict offensive materials, right? So they're allowed to take down bad stuff. Now, they haven't been doing it in good faith. We all know that. But what they did to me specifically is, is that they shut down six of my pages overnight, um, a total of like 14 million of my fans. Um, I, I laugh sometimes because I tell people I've lost more fans than most people have ever had in their entire lives. Um, but I lost 14 million fans, and they didn't give me any reason. But logically, the reason has to be that I somehow posted something that was offensive. Now, Facebook lied and said that I had pages dedicated to urinating, which was a complete and utter falsity. But that's the courts you know, jumped on that. But the reality was I didn't really post anything that was bad. So the question was, is that, could I do anything about it? And maybe at that point it would have been very difficult. However... When they shut everything down, I went to a, a competitor of mine, an old colleague, and I said, hey, I know you guys spent a lot of money with Facebook, and I know you have reps that work directly. Because, I mean, we know the big companies have reps that specifically work with these companies, right? And I said, could you ask them if they would just restore my pages? Because, I mean, I was desperate. They wiped my business out. And uh, the rep went, um, basically told my colleague, no, they weren't going to restore my pages unless, with the caveat, that that company owned them and not me. So leaving me with no other choice, you know, they're worth either zero or I sold them to the other company, to my competitor. And in selling them to my competitor, three days after they took possession of the pages, like magic, all of a sudden my content was no longer offensive. It was restored in the exact same position. Now the courts believe that I'm trying to hold them accountable for what my content was. And I'm not, I'm holding them accountable for their conduct. It was anti-competitive. They're utilizing their, their basically their authority to regulate content for their own financial benefit. And what's sad is the court even identified that they said that because FIC alleged that Facebook took its actions for monetary purposes does not make them 
a developer of information. No, it doesn't necessarily make them a developer, but it does mean that it was anti-competitive and you acknowledged it. So the court conceded that they knew it was anti-competitive. That's the problem is, is that essentially Section 230 has turned into a weapon to be able to remove anything and everything. And there is a specific reason why they cannot have that uh, delegatory power. That's what we're getting into now. Now, Jason, was this was this a did you become a target uh, of censorship or 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 was Facebook somehow um, shutting you down to um, to profit or both? They're shutting me down to profit, because if you think about it, right, an individual spends a specific amount of time on online. Right. That's they don't spend all day, every day. Now, some people may. But the reality is, is that people have a limited amount of time that they'll spend online. So that time that they spend online has a value to it. If they see something in the newsfeed, it has value. If they never make it deep enough down in the newsfeed, it has no value. So if I'm posting content, you would see my content in your newsfeed, correct? Yeah. Okay. I would hope so. so. And, and everyone else. Now, the thing is, is that if Facebook is taking money and Google and Twitter are taking money to displace people in their own newsfeeds, to show sponsored advertisers, they're partnered with those advertisers and they have a financial self-interest to remove you in order to displace your content to stick other content in. Entire business model is anti-competitive. And that's not what Section 230 is about. It was about protecting children from harmful, offensive content. It has nothing to do with making the free market in, like incompatible with business. Now, I was, I was fortunate enough uh, to, uh, to, to, to meet Governor DeSantis. It's been about a, over a, about a month, I suppose, Jason. And, uh, and for listeners to understand, uh, I was at the time um, uh, working at, at, at Ryan Hartwig, who's a Facebook whistleblower, to, had introduced me to Jason. And, it, it, and we had a sit-down meal uh, or gathering, uh, what, three months ago, I suppose, in, in Florida, in Boca Raton, uh, something like that. Uh, and, 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 and Jason and I had been in dialogue I, I asked the governor, who has a JD from Harvard, um, I asked him specifically, um, uh, well, I wanted to make the introduction, see if he was willing and, and open to, to discussing this with Jason. Uh, uh, what, what we have been doing is essentially trying to assemble uh, a team with political influence to gain, to, for Americans to gain awareness of this. So certainly most people know that Donald Trump was deplatformed by Twitter, and we can get into that, Jason. Uh, but but this is what's interesting, and this is where I want Jason to explain for listeners kind of the nuts and bolts, grains of of, of where where he's coming from and his attack. Um, and those watching the video can see that he's uh, definitely not messing around uh, physically. Uh, he's an imposing person. Um, Ron asked me, he says, what theory is Jason suing under what theory jason take it from there and explain this to listeners all right so when enigma got a different decision than i got right we asked the same question anti-competitive is anti-competitive behavior immune under section 230 in my case they said 230 c1 immunizes it because you can't treat them as a publisher which is actually not the language of the law it actually says the publisher but i won't get deep into that then they turn around four months later and they say it doesn't immunize anti-competitive blocking and screening decisions. So they're diametrically opposed decisions that can't coexist. I was not getting equal protection. 
Enigma got protection. I did not. I did not get my day in court. Now, the thing is, is that equal protection applies to two different constitutional amendments, the Fifth and the Fourteenth Amendment. So most people would think that this applies to the Fourteenth Amendment because it would be civil. It is not. It is actually penal code. Here is why. The due process clause of the United States Constitution has to do with anything that can deny someone of life, liberty, or property, okay? That there has to be a process of due process, right? That's your Fifth Amendment rights. That if they're going to penalize you for anything, you have a Fifth Amendment right to be able to, to challenge that. And most of the Fifth Amendment is is that, you know, that the laws are, are you know, um, uniformly applied, they must have measurable bounds and in the interest of the people, the basics of it, right? So I was looking at it and people might be like, well, wait, wait, wait. Penal code has nothing to do with Facebook. It does, or Twitter or Google. So in the protection for goods and marriage and blocking and screening of offensive materials, most people don't realize the protection is the delegation of authority. The good Samaritan is the in the interest of the people. It's supposed to be for the good of others to block and screen offensive materials. Well, who owns the materials? We do. It's our property. So when they're blocking and screening our materials or, or banning us like they did to President Trump, they banned him from the entire site, they are blocking and filtering his property. Now, that means that they are creating quasi-penal law. Right. So their community standards are effectively legislative power. They can set any regulation they want. But the thing about it is, is that most people don't recognize they are acting in the capacity of the FCC. Right. The FCC, what does it do? It regulates the airwaves. Right. It makes sure the TV and so forth. But the FCC doesn't do the Internet. They granted that power to a private entity. Okay. so how does that. And and of course, that's an argument. and, And trust me. I get the left screaming at me, oh, they can do whatever they want because they're a private entity. Yes, they have a First Amendment right. They can do anything they want. It's the government that can't protect them for doing so is the problem. It's the protection issue. Here's why. So when I started looking at the Fifth Amendment, and I'm going to read you a quote here. So as I started looking into the Fifth Amendment, which is an angle that no other lawyers, I don't I don't believe anybody's looking at it from that angle, but we did. Um, I found the case law and precedent. I'm not going to announce what it is just yet. We're, we're waiting on we're actually working on something big. And I, as I told you, I spoke with some very big players today. Um, we're gaining some help here, some big help. They're, they're really catching on because this is the way to stop 230. And you'll understand when I read this quote, this is probably going to be one of the most important quotes of modern history, but ready? Yeah. Supreme Court held that Congress's delegation of authority to the commission was unconstitutional because it conferred power not to an official body, but, quote, to private persons or entities whose interests may be and often are adverse to the interests of others in the same business. While the court struck down the, de- the delegation by citing to the Fifth Amendment's due process clause, the non-delegation doctrine loomed largely in the background of the decision with the court calling Congress's actions, quote, legislative delegation in its most obnoxious form. The non-delegation doctrine in relation to private entities still remains a pillar of the original understanding of the doctrine that Congress may not delegate any legislative authority. Any. Meaning, the fact that they can write their own conduct, write their own rules, write their own community standards, and enforce them as law 
under protection of Congress, this is a violation of all our due, our due process rights. Now, it's funny because they went on to say that this standard effectively allowed Congress to grant administrative agencies here, private businesses, the authority to create any rule they deem in the public interest, solely relying on the agency's own views and policy agenda, rather than requiring Congress to set forth objective guidelines. Do you think, Ian, that it is any coincidence that just, now we filed March 22nd, and we brought up the fact that due process was going to be called into question in our motion. Three days later, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, he entered a document, uh, what was it, pre, pre-testimony, uh, before Congress on March 25th, three days later, and Mark Zuckerberg suggested uh, a third party was needed to make companies maintain, quote, fair and clear moderation policies um, while pleading with Congress to require, quote, by which companies make and enforce the rules about content that is harmful but legal. Do you think it's any coincidence that we bring into account the due process clause and that under due process an official regulatory commission a third party must actually be the one who creates regulatory code it needs to be either delegated by congress or it needs to be delegated by uh, a regulatory commission that has no interest in the business just like the fcc because they have an interest in their own business and because they are a private entity regulating themselves, it is adverse for others in the same business. Because, Ian, what did I just tell you? I was in the same business as them. I made money from advertising in newsfeed, and they make money for advertising in newsfeed. I was simply regulated out. Or, better example, how about Parler? Parler started to make massive gains. People were fleeing. All of a sudden, on all of the platforms simultaneously, they violated the the rules and were regulated right off. This is the most obnoxious form of legislative delegation that exists, and it is unconstitutional under the Fifth Amendment if they are a private entity. If they want to argue that they're an official regulatory commission, great. Well, then they're subject to the Bill of Rights, just like the FCC. And the First Amendment applies, and it would be unconstitutional under the First Amendment. In other words, it's a catch-22. We go after the United States for Section 230's unconstitutionality under the Fifth. It is either the Fifth or the First. Either way, it's still unconstitutional, and that a third-party regulatory commission would have to be created that would be subject to the First Amendment. So we're looking at – we're looking at – a, 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 a firewall here of separating um, private versus public interest. Is that correct, Jason? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that makes me think of uh, that makes me think of my understanding of the Federal Reserve System that basically uh, uh, that basically has a stranglehold over the federal government and therefore constitutional rights. This is how I view it. And I know we know that Woodrow Wilson lamented the fact that he signed off on the passing of the Federal Reserve Act. But the Federal Reserve, very simplest, very simplest, uh, sim- uh, simply, is a private bank. How do we clean up 
these private interests? How do we hold them more accountable? And of course, this is exactly what you're doing. How do we hold them more accountable to representing we, the people, the public? Well, so the situation is this, is that I sued Facebook as a private company. Good example is Dr. Shiva uh, is suing Twitter as a private company. Neither of those cases will actually resolve the problem. What will resolve the problem, which is exactly what you're asking here, is how do we stop this? Our next step is to sue the United States of America, the actual government, for not doing, not abiding by our constitutional rights. That the law that they granted to these private entities for their own private interests has hurt us all. It's damaged us. It's not in the public interest. I mean, think about this. And, and anybody that knows Donald Trump should, should pass this along to him. It cannot logically be determined that regulating and banning a duly elected president of the United States of America is in the public interest when inherently he was elected by the public interest. That doesn't make logical sense. I didn't repeal this law. We are now gaining help fast. We, we are going to have an entire team. This is going to get good real fast. We are going to go after Section 230 like nobody else has ever done before. We have the path. And the way that I know that I'm right on target is as soon as I put this out there and to the tech lawyers, man, they came after me like wolves. Attacked me every which way. Couldn't, couldn't break the argument. They can't. I mean, logically, you don't have to be an attorney to understand this. Constitutionally, if you if laws are enforced arbitrarily, right, and you could go to your death sentence by an arbitrary decision, that's not due process, is it? Like that's the whole reason for due process. The law, you either broke it or you didn't break it. There's no arbitrary prosecution. Well, when Facebook creates community standards and all these companies make their standards. That's quasi-law. They've been granted legislative power to create a law. And, and I'll ask you honestly, Ian, I don't, do you think that their standards are uniformly applied and have measurable bounds and are in the interest of the people? Well, that's, that's a clear no. That, that's, a, <laughs> that's a clear no. Can't be due process then. That's the point. They... Section 230C2A is unconstitutional. And everybody, oh, now, and I want to squash uh, another concern that I, I have gotten is people are like, oh, great, you're going to destroy the Internet because they're going to be responsible for everything on the Internet. No, that's not true either. 230C1 is not unconstitutional. If you can't be treated as someone else, now that's not even a protection. Most people think that that's a protection. It's not a protection. It's simply a statement of treatment. You cannot be treated as me. Facebook can't be treated as another person unless it is a publisher. That's the problem. That's where everybody made the mistake or where the judges are making the mistake is they said that they can't be treated as a publisher. And the law doesn't say that. It says they can't be treated as the publisher. The denotes that it preexisted, meaning they can't be treated as someone else converted into they can't even be treated as themselves. But that would stay there. No, you're not responsible for what somebody else did if you have no involvement. If you are not involved in the, the progression, 
the sponsor. I mean, they should be responsible for every single sponsored ad there is because they take money to advertise it. They develop that information as a content provider. So that won't change. But what will change is they will not be able to restrict based on their own community standards. They won't even be able to make community standards. That will have to be a third party. And that's why Zuckerberg's asking for it. He knows that right now these companies can't make community standards and regulate any way they want because there's no uniformity to it. None. It's arbitrarily enforced at will for their own self-interest. Jason, let me let me insert this here. Uh, now, I've, I've, I've had the fortune of having a former CEO of Overstock.com, a very well-educated human being. Uh, he, uh, he, he, he literally was not a, not a Trump guy. Um, he was, he was asked to get involved. He saw the corruption in the media. Uh, the gentleman I'm talking about is, is Patrick Byrne. Um, what does a guy like that bring to the table in your view? And, 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 uh, and tame it down a little bit for listeners. Explain what section 230 is, uh, the 26 words that is, that it is and explain how it needs to be changed. So, Go with Patrick Byrne and your understanding of who he is and how he can make a change, and then uh, and then get in simplify uh, uh, two thirty for our listeners. So yes, um, I had the uh, fortune of speaking with Patrick Byrne actually this morning, um, and Patrick is involved with uh, election integrity, uh, as are many other people right now. Um, and election integrity, you know, people are not may not necessarily be able to uh, associate election integrity and social media, they are actually one and the same. If social media is controlling the visibility of election officials, um, for example, Dr. Shiva, when he ran, um, I know um, Congresswoman uh, Chris Bish, you know, she, she was, there's all sorts of them that have been suppressed. That's dangerous to election integrity, uh, potentially on its face. It's also a matter of in-kind donations you know, if they're giving more of a platform to Democrats than Republicans, then that's an issue. And and this isn't really necessarily – my argument is not a political argument. My argument is simply that these companies should not have this power because they shouldn't be controlling elections. They shouldn't be controlling speech. They shouldn't be controlling what is and is it is not acceptable. And they say, well, it's on their site. But yes, it's on their site, but if they act illegally – the government can't protect them from illegal acts. It's ridiculous. So with some people's help, like Patrick Byrne and, and some others that we've, we've been speaking to recently, this case against the United States is not going to be easy. I mean, it's, this is not like, hey, well, you know, I'm just going to grab a you know, lawyer from down the, the street and we're just going to go after the United States. This, we're going to have to bring a war. And because there are a lot of people that don't want this to change because they control speech. It's essentially laundering control of speech through a private entity. I mean, if you look at the case of Dr. Shiva, the and this is a confusing part for many, and I'll give a good delineation for his case, right? Because I'm following everybody's case, right? In the past, the people, you know, they, the the companies have been sued because they were acting as state actors, supposedly, and those lawsuits failed. And the reason they failed is because. The government granted them the authority to act as, you know, regulatory body, and they argued that that makes them a state actor. Well, it doesn't. And if you think about it, if I allowed you to go in and steal something, you're not acting on my behalf, are you? I'm just allowing you to. 
But if I gave you a directive to go steal something, I am now at fault. I am acting. I am an invested person, right? So when the government had that portal to Twitter and they gave him, gave whatever uh, official it was, the directive to Twitter to shut him down, now they actually are a state actor. They didn't just have the authority, they had a directive. There's a big difference. Now, that's great. Twitter will either be sanctioned and have to cut that off, but it actually doesn't solve the entire problem because just because they acted as a direct, as a state actor, doesn't mean that Google and, and Facebook did. See how the problem just stops right there? And what we're saying is the only way to resolve this is not to go after the, the private businesses, is to turn our attention to the United States itself and say, you do not have the authority in the first place to delegate this power because it violates my Fifth Amendment under the Non-Delegation Act. And I haven't really touched on it today, but there's something called void for vagueness as well, when laws are, are so vague that they can lead to arbitrary prosecution. That's another unconstitutional method. So we have the argument. We've got it all together. We need we need support. Um, I'm working on uh, the Social Media Freedom Foundation. We just formed that. It's a 501c4. That'll essentially uh, support the fight that we're going to be going. And we're going to need help. You know, there are people out there that, you know, it's funny because a lot of people donate to these. Uh, I won't say any specific names, but they donate to, you know, to rhinos and, and Democrats and everybody else. They throw money at problems. But these people are blowhards. They're all talk, no action. I am all action, no talk. I have done nothing but attack this problem since 2018. I use my own money. I have run myself basically into the ground. I'm not giving up, but I need people's help. I need people to come in with me, support the foundation, support me, and let's go fix Section 230 and, and save America. Because if we don't do this, they, they own America. If they control 90% of the online interactions – we're done. They're just going to keep buying up every other company until all online speech is controlled. Dangerous. Okay, so so Jason, we 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 defend ourselves as as Americans. That the, the Section Two Thirty is something that 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 we aim to get rewritten. Uh, we defend our freedom of speech. We defend our freedom of press. These are constitutional rights. When we look at something like the internet. Uh, the, the way I understand the Internet, we look at what is known as the World Wide Web, which is basically these uh, these web browser links that link computers internationally via um, via telephone wire, satellites, what, whatever it may be. If we back up, if I back up, Jason, and I say, uh, I say, OK, well, where does the World Wide Web in, uh, begin? Uh, it's developed uh, in the late 80s by Tim Berners-Lee, and where does he do it? He does it at CERN in Switzerland. So the WWW uh, protocol, uh, as it will be, if I understand it, is not even an American uh, in, in invention. Now, the telephone line certainly is. How does that kind of stack up? And we're getting away from Section 230. I do want to go back into Section 230, getting away from Section 230. What does it look like as we have global listeners here? Uh, uh, what does it look like in regards to the WWW? Who is controlling this, uh, Jason? When you say who's controlling what specifically? The, the, the airwaves? Yeah. 
the internet. Well, the the well, the internet is just that it, it's free open space. Okay. Um, a good way that I can describe how it, it functions, uh, which is just another good analogy. If you look at uh, gold mining, for example, right? It's ironic that these companies are mostly in California, but if you look at gold mining, when you go to to find gold mining, does the does the land management company own the land, or is it the federal government? Well, there's usually a lease. Yeah, a lease. Yeah. So it's the federal government. Okay. Right. So they're getting a lease on a federally owned land. So it's the people's land. Well, that's what the Internet is. It's just open land. And Facebook and Google and Twitter have become land management companies acting as a management company for specific URLs, unique um, record locators. Right. Those record locators, if you think about it, when you go to Facebook, all right, let's just say you set up an account and you want to produce a like page. You have to have at least 25 fans in order to request a URL. Right. Well, the same thing happens with gold. You actually have to find minerals to find the gold in order to stake a claim. When you stake the claim, it's like getting your URL. You now have space granted to you by the management company, just like Facebook is granting, um, you know, space to you. Now, the thing about the management company is, is they're the ones that have been granted this power to regulate. Okay, so they're out there and they're saying, oh, okay, come on in, use the land. And guys like me, we found huge gold claims real early on, but we're, we're small fry. We're, we're little guys just be, you know, working our way up, but we had the best gold claims. Eventually, the land runs out. There's only so much land that really has gold on it, right? So the management company goes, well, we, we need to put some regulations together because the big gold mining companies, they come in and they say, wait a second. We want to use this land. We got to get these guys off of here. Well, the, the management company says, well, we're going to come up with some regulations. So uh, you all need to wear hard hats. You need to do this. You need to do that. And they start wiping out the little guys first. They're the easiest ones to get rid of. And the big companies come in and say, well, we can we can do hard hats. No problem. So they come in and they start sucking up these land management claims. But the interesting thing with the big companies is they have a kickback because they use the management company's equipment. Right. So now the management company is actually making money. It has a financial interest, just like sponsored ads, to get these little guys off of the claims because we don't have to. We don't have to pay for their equipment. We're already in there. And what has happened is, is that they've gotten to the point now where the regulations are so broad, they're so vague. Remember, void for vagueness, that they would say you can't do dangerous things. Well, that's subjective, right? It's arbitrary. What's dangerous? And they came into my mind and they said, you're doing dangerous stuff. I said, no, I'm not. They said, yes, you did get out. And they locked my gate, sent me home. And I went to another miner who was next door who was doing really well because he used the equipment from the management company. I said, hey, can you see if you can get my mine reopened because we're using the same standards you are. And the management company said, no, no, we can't do it for that guy. He's, he's dangerous. He said, but if you guys do it, no problem. You're not dangerous. So they come over and they unlock the gate when I sell them the company. And the only thing that changed in my entire mining operation is who owns the operation. Nothing else changed. It's identical. So the regulation was just arbitrarily enforced, right? I was arbitrarily prosecuted. And I have no recourse because the government is denying me a day in court. I can't even challenge it. And because everything's, oh, we had your day in court. No, I didn't. This is dismissal proceedings, meaning 
I can't. I'm actually asking the court for a day in court because I can't get a day in court. That's what dismissal is. And we're so it's impossible to say that I got due process when I can't even get a day in court to challenge something that is illegal. Anti-competitive behavior is illegal anywhere else. Just because it's in the ether of the internet and because I can't treat them as a publisher, illegal conduct is not illegal anymore. That's not logical and it's not constitutional. See how this all works. So essentially all Facebook, Google and Twitter are is a management company of the internet. Some people were talking about, you know, trying to get them denoted as a utility. They're not, I mean, they're not really a utility now because, and because, and unfortunately, I mean, this is, it's, it's counterintuitive, but there is a reason to regulate online. I mean, you wouldn't want anybody to see child pornography, right? Right. That's bad. That's offensive, but that's logically offensive to everybody in good faith, right? Well, not but everybody, not but taken down. Yeah. Now here's where it gets crazy. If C1 says that they didn't post it there, but if they know it's there, that's a tort again, because now we're back into negligence. Contributory negligence is an issue as well. But the thing is, is that I would say that there has to be regulation. It does have to be safe. But the thing is, the company shouldn't have the power to make those rules. Those They're literally law for themselves. It has to be the equivalent of the FCC for the Internet. There needs to be a third-party official regulatory commission that has no interest in any of these companies that sets a uniform law, meaning this is illegal, X, Y, and Z, done. Efficient if an independent regulatory commission is grant, you know, is given objective guidelines by Congress with an intelligible principle upon which to function, it is then constitutionally sufficient for a third party to regulate. Still will be, it'll still fall within the First Amendment, though. They won't be able to restrict much. So, the umbrella, does the FCC need to be held accountable, or is this not their jurisdiction, and that third kind of party needs to be created, Jason? That's just it. It's not their jurisdiction. The FCC cannot regulate the Internet, and that's why they granted the power to private entities, because... They said, well, who better to do it? But the problem is, well, more so, the precedent that I found had the same situation. It was mining. It's not – the reason I gave you a mining um, analogy is not arbitrary. It's the same process, the, the way it's done, and essentially is claim jumping and everything else. Mining case, what they did was they said, okay, the commission for the mining case is going to be – or the mining commission is going to be private entities. And the bigger your business is, the more delegates you have. So the more delegates you have, the more power you have to set regulations, correct? Yeah. You wait up until the regulations are adverse to others in the same business. They start regulating things that the little guy can't do to wipe out the little guy because they have a personal interest in that little guy being wiped out. Same thing happens with the problem here. So the FCC, is it's not their jurisdiction, but a new FCC, which is – you know, we're positioning that the Social Media Freedom Foundation becomes that regulatory commission. We should be it. I mean, who better of a person to to set what the, the regulations are online than the people that stop big tech from regulating everything online? 
Jason, what was what was Burns' reaction to 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 your conversation, to your angle, to 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 your uh, your discussion with him? What, what was his reaction? Um, without going too much into the conversation, I will say that it was an appropriate reaction, and that him not being an attorney, he did exactly what he should do, which is to put us in touch with his attorney's team to validate what I'm saying. Because this is stuff that no attorneys are talking about. It it is completely novel. In a a sense, it is case precedent. It has happened and it has worked. And the same kind of statutes have been struck. But it is not something that anybody else in this world is talking about right now. Why? Because we're ahead of them. We are, we are, I just, I've spent so much time on Section 230. It's, you know, Section 230's understanding is not about reading the words that are in front of you. Most, honestly, some people can't even read that. If you look at the actual words, it doesn't say what they say. Like, read the actual words. But it's more than that. It's more than case precedent because, as Justice Thomas said, there's questionable precedent in its wake. There's lots of questionable precedent out there that was wrong. There's people using specific quotes. I had one the other day where, uh, a guy used uh, a portion of a quote from a case. Um, uh, I can't think of the case off the top of my head, but but it basically said that good or, uh, good faith doesn't apply. But if you, if I went in and because I was like, wow, that, that doesn't make any logical sense, and of course I went in and I read the whole quote, and it said, but that that good faith aspect wasn't articulated in the case, and that in some cases good good faith would apply. In other words, his entire premise for for what he was saying was wrong if you read the whole context. Now, who does that sound like? Does that sound like the media with, with President Trump? They take everything out of context to give you what is called text proofing. They prove it with a piece of the text out of context. Well, that's the problem with Section 230 is the courts are using that they're just not reading deep enough into it and not understanding all of the cases to understand that in context what was said makes sense. But in the full context of what 230 is, it doesn't work. It's really not – because everybody's talking about rewriting Section 230. It's not really that broken. It's unconstitutional. But the law itself says what it says, and it's – I mean it could be cleaned up a little bit. I actually made a um, – an amended – well, Section 230, I I did a legislative amendment. There's only like 12 changes in the whole thing that would actually clean it up as it sits – this is separate of the constitutional issue. This is if we just let it ride in the, in the capacity that it is, the courts would have a better understanding of how it works. Um, but if not, we'll just go after repealing it. That's what our, our next path is. So Section 230 is in place because of a, I think, a 1996 bill that uh, that 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 was written by uh, Wyden out of Oregon and uh, this representative Cox out of California. Uh, what was the issue at the time that caused it to be written? So it in walks a guy. He's carrying his big blue book of smut, and what he had done is gone online and he had found all sorts of just horrible, offensive, terrible stuff. Right. And ironically, it wasn't brought in digitally. It was brought in in hard copy in a big blue book. And he plopped it down, and they basically said, this is what we need to prevent. And the reason for it was, was actually not to clean up the entire Internet. The entire legislative intent of Section 230 was to protect children from harmful content. Children. The reason is, is that they wanted the sites... 
And this is the misconception of how 230 works. They wanted the sites the ability. It's, it's a publishing function to remove that type of content to protect children from harm. And they said, do this in good faith, acting as a good Samaritan. And that's what's called the intelligible principle upon which Congress delegated the authority. They said, well, you come in and you, you, you can remove this stuff. Well, the problem with as soon as you mess with any content on your site, for example, you no longer are a bulletin board, are you? You become a publisher. Right? Correct. As soon as you do anything. So, so it's different than forums in that sense. So if you start to remove any content, what happens is, is there's a transition where you then become responsible for everything you missed. If you regulate one thing, everything else that's left behind, you are now liable for. And what they recognize is that, that if they grant you the protection to remove content, they also had to explain, that's what the whole treatment portion was, is that if you remove content, if you have no involvement as a publisher, meaning you took no action at all, you were not responsible for what was left behind. <clears throat> now, that seems simple enough, and it's, as you said, the 26 words, it's funny because I'm, I'm actually writing a book about Section 230 and they call it the 26 words that created the internet. I call it the 26 words that confused the world. <laughs> and it's actually quite simple. It says, no provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of the content provided by another information content provider. Right? Something along those lines. The tail end's a little bit different, but whatever. But the point being is, <clears throat> it says, no provider or user shall be treated as the publisher. Okay. Law doesn't seem like a very important word, but the Supreme Court has held that the, every word of the law is important and that we have to avoid redundancies and duplications whenever possible. Okay, That's what's called canons of, of basic um, – what is it? Canons of, of uh, statutory construction. Right? It's like the basics. <clears throat> so if a law is written, it shouldn't be redundant. We've got to look at every single word, right? Well, first off, let's look at 230C real quick. Protection for Good Samaritan Blocking and Screening of Offensive Materials. So we know it's about blocking and screening, but most people miss that it says protection, not protections. It is a singular protection. It's one, right? So it can't be more than one protection. So let me go to 230C1 again, the 26 words. The publisher. Can't be treated as the publisher that provided the content. Okay, well, if the content originates with somebody else, and then you say, well, you can't be treated as a publisher. Well, that's wrong. Here's why. James Madison once argued that the most important word in the right to free speech is the word the. Because the denoted that the right pre-existed any potential abridgment. So if this case, if this, you know, if that word's important, the publisher pre-existed. Meaning they can't be treated as someone else. If you convert that into... And not basically not read not the words. The word says the publisher. It doesn't say a publisher. If you can't be treated as a publisher of any information arising from someone else, you can't be held accountable even for your own actions, can you? If the content came from someone else, meaning a third party, like your fact checker, creates content because you paid them to create it, you can't be treated as a publisher of that even though you are a publisher of it. 
because you're putting it online for them because you're paying for them. I mean, how is that any different than any other editorial business, right? They pay for content. So if you can't be treated as a publisher, well, that's what the court held in my case. But here's the problem. If the next one is the actual protection, which is protection for restricting materials, right? It says no provider or any action taken um, to restrict, what is it? Any action voluntary taken in good faith to restrict access to or availability of materials that are otherwise considered lewd, lascivious, or otherwise objectionable, even if they're constitutionally protected, which is ironic because they're even saying you can break the Constitution. We don't care. But think about this. That's a publisher, right? Ninth Circuit said removing content is something a publisher does, right? Okay. Well, the first law says you can't be a publisher. And the second law says you can't be a publisher. Doesn't the first law swallow the second law? You can't be considered a, a publisher in the first place, right? So... Why do you need the second law? It's completely duplicate. It's redundant. Right? So that can't be what it means. But if you break it down to what it really means, which is you can't be treated as someone else for someone else's actions if you're not the publisher. And the second one is, okay, you can be a publisher, but you can only do it in good faith. The courts, and this is even more interesting, the courts turned around the Ninth Circuit said that 230C2 grants a separate grant of immunity. Listen to this. Here we go out of context, text proofing again. Perhaps because they developed information in part. So now the Ninth Circuit has said, well, if they developed information in part, that's the other grant of immunity C2 does. Well, first of all, nowhere in C2 does it say anything about development. In fact, that's actually the definition of a content provider. So that's completely wrong. But even, let's say arbitrarily for whatever sake, it is there. If you can't be treated as a publisher, even for your own publishing action, isn't developing information in part a publishing action? Yeah. It supposed that too. So even what they said doesn't actually resolve the problem. And the problem, and I'll say this. I may have gotten way over people's heads, and I get it because I keep getting it. A lot of people around me are like, how do you dumb this down? How do I dumb it down? I want you to understand something again. 20, what, 26, 25, 26 years now this law has been around? Yeah. Hundreds if not thousands of judges have looked at it. Attorneys have looked at it. Everybody across the nation is looking at, looking at it, and nobody has resolved it. You think it's an easy problem. It's multiple issues that are all working in conjunction with one another where the courts are granting broad immunity where none exists. They're reading extra immunity into statutes where they do not exist. That's what Justice Thomas said. It's exactly what we said. 230C1 doesn't protect you from being a publisher. It says you can't be treated as someone else. End of story. That's the problem. It's a complex problem that I'm trying to explain as simply as I can. Yeah. But it's complex. It's the courts are, are messing it up. Let's let's look at let's look at these private companies that are offering these public 
publishing platforms. That's my wording, my view. Um, and and specific, specifically talking about Facebook and Twitter um, and even Google to a large extent because uh, even though Google's not necessarily publishing – uh, it's they're still they're still, they're still they are still part of the 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 issue, um, and we take again we take this uh, this medium upon which we're all communicating, and, and as far as I know, it's something that derived from the ARPANET, uh, which we know as uh, uh, the, this World Wide Web, and then we're applying this uh, this this mining concept, which you described uh, wonderfully. And, and we take the United States. And then again, I inserted this Swiss connection with the World Wide Web by this British scientist, Tim Berner-Lee's, uh, Tim Berner-Lee. Uh, are, are, are we basically, um, whereas, let me, let me just cycle this through um, uh, economically. Are, 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 are we as a, uh, as a constitutional republic, are we, are we leasing uh, the space to mine from, Jason? And is that possibly a trail that listeners should be looking down? Is that making sense to you? That's exactly what we've done, is is that the management companies that are leasing out this World Wide Web space have been granted the power to regulate in their own self-interest. That's the problem, is is that that can't be the case, that an actual mining commission would need to be set up, or in this case, a an internet regulatory commission that sets it. Now, I will tell you this, because this is a worldwide audience, This is a U.S.-based company. It is U.S. law that we're imparting here. It is unconstitutional. I do not know what the ripple effects would be to other countries because it's only U.S. law. I mean, U.S. constitutional law is what would take it away from them. So the question there is is that if they're operating under U.S. constitutional law, I think that other other countries are going to actually have to set their own regulations. Now, that may be bad it may be really dangerous i don't know but the fact of the matter is is that i would sooner an individual country make its own determination what is and is not acceptable online as opposed to a private company that can regulate at will you know arbitrarily and enforce whatever it wants and i mean everybody's like oh how do they get to be so big because they stole everything from everyone they did everything. If you, you know, people say, oh, well, it's a free market. You can go build something else, except for the fact that they don't like you. They'll cut your API over to the site, so you won't be able to put your company on their company. And good luck ever trying to build up big again, because imagine trying to be the little media guy trying to go up against big media when big media is trashing you. It's impossible. It's That's what a monopoly does. It's more like a duopoly or, or, you know, a multiopoly, but they are crushing everything. And the reason is because they shouldn't have the power to make that regulatory determination. Shouldn't happen. And now they actually have the precedent, which is the great part. We know how to repeal 230. Yeah, we're going to do it. And and this is the this is the turning point for the United States. This is the most pressing current issue and uh, look, I mean, just the fact every commentator on mainstream media should be attacking this. But we always see no that they're not. But we, 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 will, we, will, we will get this done. Some uh, Jason, thanks for joining the program today. Um, as, as you've mentioned, there is a worldwide audience. What 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 are some uh, what are some uh, 
I mean, you, you basically just said it. Uh, this, this, the, the jurisdiction comes down to each and individual, each and every individual country, and the people that make up that country to speak out, and they themselves regulate, not not the private banks, uh, not the private interests, which is happening globally, um, and and the United States is the tip of that uh, that spearhead, um, and like you said, uh, once once we are successful. Uh, under under your under your 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 drive here, uh, and we we accomplish this. There will be ripple effects. What do you uh, what do you uh, suggest right now? Uh, apart from uh, getting on your website and please provide that for listeners. What do you suggest right now for uh, for listeners wherever they may be globally to start taking action? Well, start passing this information on that the Fifth Amendment is the way to actually attack this thing, that we do not need antitrust legislation. We don't need, um, you know, uh, congressional meetings. What we need right now is to stop Section 230 in its tracks. Now, you made, you touched on a really good point. The United States may not have jurisdiction over all these other countries. However, the United States acts as a pillar of freedom for the entire world. We fall... There is no hope ever again for any country. That's the way I look at it, right? So we have to lead by example. And and I would say to all of the interested parties, maybe judges, may, maybe you're completely love big tech's control and whatever, but think about what you're doing. We are going down a path where private companies, sometimes at the direction of government, are silencing dissent. Our country is spiraling away from freedom. They're ripping our constitution apart. And that this is, I, I mean, it's crazy to be sitting here and so few people know who I am yeah. when things. It's speech control. And now I, I have literally sat here on the show, on your show, and explained we can fix this. But what do I need? I need help. I need everyone's help. You want to throw money at something that's worthwhile? Here it is. I need the support to get this battle done because nobody has brought a fight against the United States because nobody had the standing or the understanding or the precedent, and I have all of them. We're, we're ready to go. So even if you're outside of the country, consider this. If we can put you know, a collar back on these private companies – and say this is how you regulate, it's going to have ramifications worldwide. Now, those countries will have to fight it out for themselves, you know, as to if they're going to try and regulate. But the reality here is, is that it will pull the restrictions that they have, and it will at least be uniformly applied and have measurable bounds. We will know what is illegal and what is not. That is it. Not some arbitrary word like spam clickbait, hate speech, all of these ridiculous terms that are completely discretionary will not be valid anymore. They're too vague. Jason, tie, tie things in here quickly. Uh, we've got, we've got, uh, okay, uh, I just had a question there pop up. Uh, can the case not be funded by legal aid? Um, tie this in real quickly for listeners. We've, we've, we've got an unprecedented uh, global um, 
issue going on here. Uh, I don't believe in coincidences. There's no coincidence. We're, we're coinciding with a global form of uh, networking and communicating and the Internet. Uh, what are the links here? What are the links? And I want practical uh, practical links. What are the links here between three things? Three things. And that would be uh, this this COVID-19 uh, uh, pandemic, uh, the, the Bitcoin or digital currency movement, uh, and and this uh, this this uh, disgusting censorship on free speech. What are the, what 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 are the links there? In in your view, in your opinion, what are the links there, Jason? Honestly, I don't. I'm not the type of person that talks out of field when I don't know a lot about it. I am not very knowledgeable when it comes to crypto, uh, and as far as COVID, um, I have my own beliefs and. and and understandings to it. Um, you know, the link that I, the only link that I see is, is that the, these private companies acted as a, at the directive of government to essentially censor based upon their, the government's interest in vaccinating everybody and, and so forth. And, you know, that, that is its own sort of issue. Um, that's how I would see that the social media becomes a, a dangerous threat because, you know, it's it's not as if you can't say that the government hasn't done adverse things to its own people before. Right. It has worldwide, and it has to, to the extent that, you know, millions have died. To think that the government is acting on the behalf of the interests of the people, no. I, I want people to recognize the Constitution was written. That's what protects us. It is not our politicians. The Constitution must stand. We must enforce it. Because if we don't enforce it, politicians will be the end of us. Well said, uh, Jason Fick. Jason, a, uh, a website you can share. How do people get in touch with you? Um, right now, I don't really monitor my own website. I've, I've got my entire focus on this thing. We are going to be bringing up the Social Media Freedom Foundation. Um, the site is not built. We do have the domain. We are working on it now. But that will be um, smfreedom.org or socialmediafreedom.org. Um, and as soon as that's there, if you want to come help, um, we we need more than just money. We, we need help worldwide. We need to bring a movement to say enough is enough of this because, I mean, everybody recognizes the danger at this point. Um, and now that we have the, the tools to actually stop it, we need to do it. Like we, we, a lot of people need to step up, help me get this done. And I, and I think that that's like what Patrick Byrne and, and dozens of other people I've been working with on the backside of things are recognizing now is we have this, we have, we are going to put together a monster force and get this fixed because it's, it's pretty dangerous. Um, as far as if you need to get in touch with me, uh, I'm fairly easy to find on Facebook at Jason Fick. I do have a page. I don't really run it. I just use my personal profile. Um, message me direct if you send me a friend request out of the blue. I'm not going to accept because I get them so often. Uh, or you can reach me on Twitter. Um, I think I'm completely uh, shadow banned because I get like 20 people liking things with 10,000 fans now. <laughs> is what it is. Um, but you can reach me there at Jason FYK. My, my last name's a little strange. It's F as in Frank YK. So it's Jason FYK. Uh, on Twitter, and uh, look for my profile on Facebook uh, while it still lasts. And the uh, and the book, when when's it due out? Does it have a title, publisher? 
I, I don't have a publisher yet. We, I am talking with uh, Ryan Hartwig's. Um, yeah, uh, I can I'm supposed to be in touch with them and their publisher and so forth because it's basically going to be a completely new explanation of Section 230 that nobody else has understood in its raw form. Um, because I'm, I, you know, I'm not out there just, you know, looking at old case precedent. I'm looking at all of it and working on how it, it actually has to function in order for it to be a constitutional law. So that's going to be very different. I do have a current book out called uh, Social Justice. It's kind of a play on it because I use social media to get justice in my past. Um, and I'm working on two other books as well. But, uh, yeah, if, if, if you just look up my name and uh, I don't know, I think the Section 230 book is going to be pretty good. Great. I've been working on that pretty hard. I'll introduce you to Chris, uh, who's, who's my publisher. You can, you can at least uh, feel him out. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Jason Fick taking on Section 230. Taking on Facebook, but more importantly, uh, taking on the United States government uh, regarding uh, their uh, their incredible lapse in uh, control of, uh, of of a free internet. Uh, Jason, thanks for joining the program. I look forward to staying in touch with you, sir. Thank you, Ian. Okay, so there we have uh, Jason Fick, and uh, yeah, I I've got I've got my own kind of angle on on things and 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 outside of section 230 uh, jason is the forefront like i said he's the the the, the tip of the spear uh driving this which which folks that that is the most voting voting integrity in many ways hinges on this they're both entwined with one another on so many levels hence his dialogue with patrick byrne uh, in his dialogue with the other folks that he's been in contact with and supporting him, um, the keeping the internet free and regulated by the people and honest politicians that aren't caving into super PAC money, uh, i.e., rhinos. Um, this is this is the this is this is so important. For liberty and justice globally, and unfortunately, folks, it is the United States. It is the United States that is, again, the tip of that spear. Um, once that integrity drops and goes down the tubes, which is uh, hinges on the Constitution, um, freedom as we know it uh, is gone globally. Now, again, what I'm saying is that I have my view of what I feel is the crux of the problem. And the crux of the problem to me is very simple. Who controls the money? Okay, and historically, he who controls the gold controls the money. The United States has the gold. The Federal Reserve doesn't have any gold. The U.S. Treasury doesn't have any gold. Who wears the gold in the United States? In Fort Knox, never gets audited. Uh, I believe uh, personally that uh, Dr. Peter Beter who's a former JFK advisor, is correct in that he said that the Rockefeller brothers... In the 70s, sold all the U.S. gold uh, to bad below market rates to uh, to, the, to to Switzerland. And what where resides in Switzerland? Well, the, the the Bank of International Settlements, Basel, Switzerland, it regulates all the central banks globally. The United States is uh, basically basically puppeteered by this uh, European Central Bank. That is the Federal Reserve. It's been that way for over 100 years, well over 100 years since uh, 1913. That's the crux of the problem, in my view, in my opinion. That is the crux of the problem. And it's nothing new to this country. Nothing new. The same thing that JFK fought, same thing Abraham Lincoln fought, and Garfield 
uh, McKinley fought that and, uh, and Andrew Jackson. Andrew Jackson is the only one who's been successful. Re-elected on the platform of killing the bank. It's the same reason that Thomas Jefferson and um, Alexander Hamilton argued. And um, in my view, Aaron Burr, a, Je- a Jefferson agent, uh, uh, dueled with, uh, with Hamilton and shot Hamilton. Nothing has changed. If you look at the spectrum, 250 years is a very short, it's a little blip. little blip on the screen for cities like London for, and more importantly, cities like uh, uh, Rome. A little blip. New York. Well, New York wasn't even New York. It was uh, New Amsterdam. And again, all of the puppeting strings lead right back to Rome. Rome, 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 Rome. You think Rome's not an international player today? You would be wrong. Who made the Rockefellers a major monopoly? Well, that would be the Rothschild. And who made the Rothschild a major monopoly? Well, that would be the Vatican. Yes, the Rothschild control the city of London and the Bank of England. They control the monarch. If you're in the UK, you need to understand that your queen, and likely possibly your soon-to-be king, does not control you. Well, sure, they control you. But they are controlled by the city of London, just like the United States is controlled by the Federal Reserve, which essentially is based in Wall Street. Federal Reserve Bank in New York is the main bank that controls all of that. The 12 banks in the U.S. All you have to do is dig, folks. You're not taught this in school, public school, for a reason. A good reason. And the reason is they want you to keep your mouth shut and not know what's going on. Well, that is the crux of the problem, in my view. And what we can do to help defend ourselves and support our Constitution, defend our Constitution, is join Jason's movement and fight for our freedom of speech and freedom of press. I do this... Because, from a former Stanford researcher, Hoover fellow, Anthony Sutton, I was quickly turned on to his work. I had no idea he ever existed, what he ever published. I was quickly turned on to him after investigating the Zika virus. The Zika virus, 2016, Miami Beach. And once I had gone through some of his publications, all of which are available free, 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 free. All you got to do is go to my website, which I pay for, and click on the research tab. And click, doop, doop. You'll find his his, his publications. No cost to you. Broaden your mind. And more importantly, this is why I do what I do, and I'm asking you to do it too. Tell a friend. Tell a family member. Enlighten them. Don't expect them to understand what you're talking about. But, hey, give them some time. Let them reread it. Let them mull over it. Let it sink in and boom. Doop, doop, doop. It'll sink in. IanTroche.com. That's T-R-O-T-T-I-E-R. Thanks for listening. Pass it on. And until next time, folks, be awesome.